0: Thanks for listening to the church at 112, where we gather together to encourage and equip each other into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now here's today's message. To use this because communication tends to lack, uh, not with one of us, but both of us. Uh, and I think, I think if we analyze everything that we say and really look back to, at the way we communicate to each other, we can, we can easily find issues that we both bring to the table um the form of communication we're going to look at today though is definitely one-sided uh in the sense that when the communication is broken it's typically because of us me like i'm the reason why the communication path is broken and what i'm talking about here is if you haven't uh grasped the direction i'm headed yet is is prayer Uh, whenever that communication is broken it's usually because of our inability to communicate properly with our Heavenly Father. And I wanna look at three different areas this morning uh, that we tend to, that I tend to struggle with. I say we, uh, I hope you can join me in saying this. Uh, I hope I'm not just preaching to myself this morning. But there's three different areas that I tend to see as a stumbling block for me with my prayer life. Uh, several years back, there was a song that came out by a band called The Script. And it's funny how Like God, I I say this every time I get up here, but like whenever I prepare for a sermon, you know, I was even telling James several weeks back, this was the direction I had in mind that I was going. Um, But God, through studying of his word and just even random things I hear throughout the week uh, or the weeks in preparation tend to steer me in different directions. And I think I was at the gym one morning and I heard the song come on, I was like, man, that song used to be a a song that I would stop and think about. And it's a song called Break Even by The Script because there is a, a line in the beginning of that song. Like, I used to like the song a lot, but there's a line that always troubled me where he said, I pray to a God that I don't believe in. And I was like, man, that's kind of a harsh thing to say. But I overthink everything. I mean, if, you, if you're around me enough, you're gonna be like, man, Trey, like, just, just relax a little bit because I overthink everything because the moment I heard that line, I immediately started thinking about, man, do I pray to a God that I don't believe in? 'Cause I say I believe in this God, right? Like we come here on Sunday mornings and we talk about the Savior that came to die on the cross for our sins, to, to give us everlasting life. Uh, he created all these wonderful things and and am I really praying to that God or am I praying to a God that I don't believe in? To mess me up even more, around I guess probably around the same period that song came out, this is how I'm gonna get you all this week, right? letters. I read this This is book letters. You we all here before, so you know it's, uh, The gist of it is that it's from Satan's point of view. He refers to God as the enemy, and he's talking about how we can influence influence this man's life to to stray away from God, right? This this young believer to stray away. And in, in this excerpt from Screwtape Letters, he says, The humans do not start from that direct perception of him, of God, which we unhappily cannot avoid. Right? So the enemy, being the devil in our, in our setting, they have a direct percept- perception of who God is. We don't directly, the same way that they do. They have never known that ghastly, ghastly luminosity, that stabbing and searing glare, which makes the background of permanent pain to our lives. If you look into your patient's mind, being the, the young believer or the guy that's on the fence right now, your patient's mind when he is praying, you will not find that. If you examine the object to which he is attending, you will find that there, it is a composite object containing many quite ridiculous ingredients. There would be images derived from pictures of the enemy as he appeared during the discreditable episode known as the Incarnation. There would be vaguer, perhaps quite savage and foolish images associated with the other two persons. Kind of like the Ancha Mama, if you all ever read the, uh, what's that book, The Shack? Like that kind of, that's one of the things that uh, mess with people's image of God, right? The, the spirit and uh, things like that. So, uh there would be vague, perhaps quite savage, and foolish images associated with the other two persons. There will even be some of his own reverence and of bodily sensations accompanying it, objectified and attributed to the object revered. I have known cases where what the patient called his guide was actually located up and to the left of the corner of his bedroom ceiling, or inside his own head, or in a crucifix on the wall. But whatever the nature of the composite object, you must keep pray- him praying to it, to the thing that he has made, not to the person who has made him. You may even encourage him to attach great importance to the correction and improvement of this composite object and to keeping it steadily before his imagination during the whole prayer. So kind of funny thing that happened, I guess it was about a month ago, we were headed to church and I remember Lucas saying, why do all these people have pictures of Star Wars, the new Star Wars stuff in their yards? And I was like, I immediately knew what he was talking about. So if you drive around our area right now, there's a lot of uh, images of a figure referred to as Jesus, with these different lights cutting through his robe. Uh, you probably, I don't know if you even acknowledge them, but on the side of the road, there's a bunch of different uh, posters about Jesus on the side of the road. Um, and I kind of laughed it off at first, and I was like, well, Lucas, that's, that's what some people believe Jesus looks like. He's probably a little bit, he's probably not that pale, he probably wasn't that pale, uh, but that's what a lot of people think Jesus looked like. So, and I say that jokingly, but I think at some point in our lives, uh, you know, we, we have created this image of who God is in our head. And sometimes that's what we focus on, right? Cause we're very, uh, image driven creatures. Like we like to put a, a face to an object, um, to an individual. And that's typically how we communicate as well, right? Or we're taught to is like, look at a person in their face or um, think of that person that you're writing a letter to, whatever it may be, that's typically how we communicate is very uh, visually oriented. And I think the thing that we struggle with is we, we discredit who God is by making him look like this Santa Claus figure or even that, uh, you know, the, the different figures of the crucifixion or replication of who Jesus may have been Uh, distorts the overall image of who God is. Revelation 1, verse 17 says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. So, like, approaching the throne of God is not something that is just easily done. It's not something that we can just nonchalantly... It's not an action that we just you know, nonchalantly enact upon. It's not something that we just lightly do. And and I'm not saying we should be scared approaching the throne of God, but there should be reverence, some sort of reverence every time that we go to Him in prayer, um, acknowledging who He is. And so that's the first hiccup I see uh, in my prayer life sometimes is the distorted image of God. Like I don't always focus on who He is or who I am praying to. So a sense of awe, like I think one of the English words, and I've talked to y'all about this before as well, that we mess up, that we overuse and and desensitize is awesome, right? Like everything is awesome. Yeah, 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 like the Lego song, right? Everything is awesome. So there really is only one thing that is truly awesome, uh, and that is God. So it should be the root word there, you know, going through second grade uh, English right now, learning about root words again, is we have awe. Like God should stir up some sort of awe And us, every time we approach his throne in prayer. We don't necessarily need to focus on the things unknown, uh, such as what he looks like. We should focus on what makes him worthy of praise in the first place, his awesomeness. So what makes God awesome? Okay, so I can read the entire Bible to you right now and still not grasp exactly what what makes God awesome. But at the same time, I did want to hit on a few high points, uh, some things that I like to think about before even saying God in prayer. Like something to, you know, pause prior to even jumping into a prayer. Psalm 145, verse 17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and kind in all his works. God is right, and he is kind. And God stands alone. In 1 Samuel 2, 2, it says, There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Love the word holy. Like, set apart. He stands alone. Like, there's nothing, nothing comparable to who he is. First John 30, for whoever, excuse me, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. So James asked me uh, earlier this week about some song choices, and two, to- two songs came to mind, and I'm, I'm sure it was James and Sally uh, communicating back and forth. And the two songs I sang earlier this morning, and I hadn't even... Listened to him recently. I didn't dive into them prior to the sermon uh, I just really wanted to think about a couple of songs recently that come, had come out that really focused on God's character and In the songs it talked about like he knows things before we even pray for them or ask for them And I kind of want to hit on that in a little bit but just kind of keep that in, in thought as I, you know, I read 1 John 30 And it says he is greater than our heart and he knows everything uh, just think about that for a second, let that resonate, because I'm sure there's questions that surround that, but we'll hit on a little bit uh, in a moment. He is everlasting, Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. Psalm 147 5: As great is our Lord and abundant in power, He is understanding beyond measure. John 1, 1, through 3. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And lastly, I want you to think about, well, going along with that, like if you're ever struggling with the, like what to think about uh, during prayer or prior to uh, approaching prayer is Scripture, right? Like James talks about all the time, it's praying through Scripture. You can open up in Genesis and immediately see characteristics of God. Uh, he breathed he the very breath into your lungs that you have the ability to speak a prayer. Um, he, he created the heavens. He created the earth. Uh, like God is seen everywhere in nature. So you can just look around and see his presence. But at the same time, I want you to acknowledge God from the point as a believer, if you are a believer, that you are now a son or a daughter of the Most High. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 18 says, And I will be a father to you, and you should be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Romans 5, 8 says it this way, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So our perspective should align in that way as well. It's like, our Father is the most high. right? He he created everything that we see around us. Uh, He gives you the ability to even sit here this morning uh, and to worship him. So if your perspective, like as a child of God, think about your own children if you have children and uh, how they revere you or should revere you. Um, like I think it's awesome that God gives us that perspective in life that we have a, on a very minute scale to see you know, how inquisitive children can be, can be right? Like we ask questions, our kids ask us questions that we already know the answers to, or we already know how we're gonna provide for them in that sense, but they might still ask us anyway. And if it, they didn't ask us, I don't think we would ha- they would have the appreciation for what we do for them as much as they do. Um, so that was kind of like earlier when, he, when we were talking about first John 30, like he knows everything, right like God knows the plan from the beginning to the end. It shouldn't stop us from praying to Him. If anything, it should encourage us to be a part of that plan, right like He wants to hear our deepest desires. He wants us to be all inclusive with him in the sense of like, what do we worry about? What do we enjoy? What brings us satisfaction and what brings us pain? And he wants to be a part of that in your life. Secondly, we have, when we come when I struggle with prayer life, a lot of times it's misaligned expectations. Like this is any relationship, all right? Like expectations. I remember, um, I think it was a marriage study that we did. With, Trisha and I did with James and Mary at some point, but a lot of times in a relationship, the things that you tend to argue about are uh, are different expectations that each other have. Uh, Even in friendships, right, like this is something that you can struggle with easily is some person's expectation is here and the other's is here. Um, And they just don't line up and and you're driving towards different goals. Well, when it comes to prayer life, I think at best it's a believer's immature approach to prayer that shapes prayer as a a magic genie type sort of response like, God, I just want to bring all these things that I want to you in my life, and I expect you to satisfy them. Uh, you know, and some, some people preach that, right? That's the prosperity gospel. Is like, as long as you ask God for it, he'll give it to you. Um, and God tells us in scripture that he's a good father, and he's going to give you exactly what you ask for. But our expectations should align with his. And when that occurs, your will will then align with his will. And I want I want to dive a little bit deeper in here, and, or maybe maybe you're kind of like me sometimes, and it's uh we look at prayer as this complex, trivial route to to winning God's approval or His favor. Like we're just we want to say these big, lofty words, and and like try to please God with the things that we can say. Like how ridiculous does that say me even saying that out loud right now? Like we're trying to please God with some words that could come out of our mouth, right? And the English language, by the way, is terrible. Like. I try to, try to teach a kid how to read. It, it's the most ridiculous thing. You realize how, how dumb the English language is. And we're trying to impress God with English language, right? And, and I, I don't speak that well to begin with. So I think it's kind of funny that we think in our prayers we can do that. So looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, it says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And Jesus, I think, does a good job of outlining, obviously he does the best job of outlining what prayer should be like uh, in, the, in the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we address God, the very character of God, and like how set apart, how perfect, how holy he is. Uh, we take into consideration like what he's done in our life, uh, prior to our existence, and what he's promised in the future. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done, right? Like we're already acknowledging the fact that God lets your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also for forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So God, give us what we need. Like that's what we're asking for. I'm just asking for the things that I need, that I know you said you're going to provide for me. Like, he cares for us more than he cares for the feathers on a bird, right? So he's going to give us what we need. Verses 14 to 15 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And this is what I want to harp on here in our prayer life. Uh, like There's a ton we can unpack from the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Jesus, uh, James has done a great job in the past. He's got a sermon on it. Uh, but the thing I want to harp on whenever we approach the throne of God is grace. Like, this word grace is something I struggle with a lot, right? Like, especially having children. Like, being a graceful father, being a father that shows grace is difficult for me. And how selfish is that because I have a father, a perfect father, that has shown grace beyond measure, right? Like we, we say we believe in a God that came to this earth, and died for us when we didn't even deserve it, right? Like we don't deserve the grace that He has shown us. And yet at the same time, I will go into prayer with anger in my heart towards someone else and expect more grace. Like I do that daily. So what God, what Jesus tells him, tells us is guys, before you even come to me. Before you approach me and ask for more things, like who have you shown grace to? Like have you given grace to those around you? Matthew 26 verse 39 says, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Anybody know who says that line right there? Any guess? My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Who says that? oh, Sunday school answer, great. Like, yes, it was Jesus, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane. Like, Jesus, hours before his arrest, like, hours before his betrayal, he knew what was coming. Like, this is God incarnate, right? Fully human, fully God. Like, Jesus knows what is going to happen. And yet he still goes to God the Father and asks, like, God, if there's any other way, like, knowing this is the only way, then let you take this away from me. But ultimately, Jesus bows in that exact moment and says, like, but Father, not as I will, but as you will. Let that be done. That is a hard thing, I think, for any of us to swallow. Like, we know what we want. Like, and I think a lot of times, like, that's the genie approach that we have going into prayer. Like, God, I know what I want. I know how I want it to be done. I know how I can control it and manipulate it to at least get to where I want it to be. But I'm just going to throw it up there to you, hoping that that's your will. And if it's not, I'm going to struggle with that. I think that's a lot of times the way I approach prayer. Like, I'll say maybe sometimes I let your will be done, but I'm scared to say that because I know his will might not align with mine. But guys, we need to be okay with that because God promises good to those who believe in him. Like, no matter what the outcome may be, it might not look good to us here on this earth. It might not be exactly what we want uh, in the time we want it. But ultimately, he promises good to those who believe in him. And that's where we can hang our promise on, right? So another thing I think that's interesting about prayer that kind of falls into this, I, it's a little, bit, a little bit of stretch, but I, I really love this quote from uh, Paul Miller. He has a book called The Praying Life. Uh, if, if none of you have read it, uh, I highly rec- recommend it. Uh, he says, Studies that try to prove that prayer works don't understand the nature of prayer. They are as odd as trying to prove one's own existence or to measure love. God is a person, and his universe reflects his personhood. The closer something is to the character of God, the more it reflects him, and the less it can be measured. Things such as integrity, beauty, hope, and love are all in the same category as prayer. You can tell me their presence and even describe them, but you can't define them, simply because they are too close to God's image. So that's not what I'm trying to do this morning. I'm not trying to give you some kind of magic formula, some special ingredients that, like, your prayer is going to be A plus B and it's going to equal C every time, right? Like, I'm not trying to give you that. Uh, But there's one thing I want to, the last thing that I feel like is a stumbling block for me, uh, and and it relates to all of this, is the fact that we as humans have a huge unwillingness to change, right? Like, so we, we approach prayer as that magic formula. Like, we think it's going to give us the outcome that we expect each and every time. So, if I pray to God, all right, so Trey said if I focus on who He is, I, I, I show grace to those that are around me and, and I'm willing to change, then, then man, it, it's just going to give me the exact results I'm shooting for. And that's not what I'm saying here this morning. Like, Your results won't be what, they, what you want them to be unless you have aligned your expectations with those of God, right? If your will aligns with His will. So in order for that to occur... We have to understand that prayer will change you. And I, I couldn't find the psalm that I, I had preached from a while back. I think it was uh I think James had gotten sick and it was like a, a last minute thing that uh I preached out of a psalm and I don't think I had any notes or anything from it. And uh, I remember David going through that psalm, initially opening up his prayer, distraught, like he was struggling. But as he focused on the character of God, you can see through that very psalm that his character changed. Like he saw how great and merciful God was. And by the time he ended this, it was a short psalm too. Obviously I wasn't going to jump into something large whenever uh, it was the last minute. But it was a short psalm and like very quickly we saw David's attitude change, right? He went from being down and depressed about something that he was struggling with to realizing how great and wonderful God was. So... An encounter with God changes you. A most extreme example of this in Scripture is Exodus 33, verse 18. Says Moses said, "Please show me your glory." He's asking God, like, "Let me see who you are." In the very next chapter, we see a physical change in Moses. Uh, His appearance of his face became so bright and shining, shiny that uh, he had to cover himself with a veil before the Israelites so we can't expect to approach the throne of god and be the same person on the other end right like we can't go in there thinking that hey i'm going to approach the throne of god being angry about this dispute i had or about this this thing i didn't receive and not expect to be changed on the other end and what i'm really getting to here is uh i think we avoid prayer because of that like I, i know i've said this before but i'm this type of person day in and day out is I deserve to be angry right now. Like this is my time to be angry. Like I was completely right in this situation and and I deserve to mope around a little bit. And I don't want to pray to God because I know he thinks otherwise. Like I know that if I go to God in prayer and truly acknowledge who he is and I give grace to a person that I know was wrong and has wronged me, I'm going to be changed on the other end of that, and I think that's one of my hindrances to prayer is knowing that God will change me through a conversation with Him. So meditating on God's character, conversing with the Lord of your life, will impact you. Philippians four verses six through seven says, "Do not be anxious about things. Excuse me, about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God." And the peace of God will transcend all understandings. We have a good, good Father. like He gives us a peace that is unexplainable. And knowing that, you can approach the throne of God and expect to be changed. It's not something we shouldn't want to do. That's something we should desire anytime we get upset. Anytime things aren't going away, anytime we are struggling with anything in this world, we should go to Him because we should expect to Receive that peace that he only he can offer. I want to end today with encouragement from some scripture that uh, is also difficult. Uh, and in Revelations chapter 5, verse 8, it says, that when, And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a heart and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. Like, guys, prayers shouldn't be a lofty thing that we just throw up. Like, prayers in God's eyes are a pleasing aroma. Like, these are, in Scripture, several times you'll see it. Like, they are incense burning in the company of God. Like, your prayers are a pleasing aroma to the Almighty God. Father God, I thank you so much for you, dear Lord. God, as we approach your throne, God, I just ask that we focus on the very character of who you are. God, you're all-knowing. You're all-powerful. And God, these aren't just words that we, we lift up, God, just for to, to sound good. Uh, but God, let these be words that come from your spirit within us. God, let these be words that that are praising to you, that are, that are truly an incense burning in your courts. Father, we just thank you for the love that you have shown us, God, the grace that you have shown us, and, and God, this time that we get to gather together as a body of believers to, to worship you. And Father, even as we come out of this service to, God, go back into our daily lives, let us remain focused on who you are and how great you are, Father, that, God, we shouldn't struggle with the things of this world because you are so much more than them. Father, let us remember that as we converse with each other, God, as we we live our lives, uh, whether it be through the workplace, God, at home with the family, God, whatever it may be, let us just keep our focus on how great you are. We love you in Christ, and I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it was encouraging for you and that you have a great week. God bless.